Are you ready to start living richer? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Live Richer podcast, hosted by Jamie Catmull, a podcast created for people to challenge and manage their ideas of wealth, culture, and money across the world, bringing you the best personal finance advice to make more, save more, and live richer. Now, here's your host, Jamie Catmull. Living a life of freedom. That's amazing advice from Empower's 2018 Top 50 Women in Personal Finance, Lara Adams. She's a money expert and the host of the super popular and award-winning Money Girl podcast. She shares weekly tips and advice on a variety of personal finance topics. And she's the author of 10 books, including her most recent one, which is for business owners, Money Smart Solopreneur. Laura has so much to share, including the value of taking control of your finances instead of letting them have control over you. The light bulb moment that made her decide to help people by turning complex financial concepts into easy to understand information. And the micro money habits you can do that get massive results. So, Laura, let's just get going right now. How did you become this personal finance expert and how did you get in debt? Jamie, thanks so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here. Um, Yeah, I think I started out like a lot of people sort of living above my means, especially when I was right out of school. In my first job in my 20s, I was earning money and kind of felt like, hey, I deserve to spend all this money. You know, I'm working hard for this and had been used to, uh, you know, a certain lifestyle. My parents had been quite generous with me. And then all of a sudden, you're just out there on your own, you know, trying to make your way in the world. And it, it's very easy to overspend. And for me, it was, it was credit cards. It's just too easy. So it was apartments, it was vacations, clothes, you know, I'm just a shoe-aholic. Um, all of those <laughs> things really kind of caught up with me. And it was, wasn't until years later that I was really able to get a handle on that um, with some help from my husband. And just, we tackled it as a team. And it felt so great when we got to the point where we were able to finally get it paid off. Um, but it took some time, took a lot of sacrifices. And it's something that I can honestly say is, you know, it's not easy, but it is worthwhile if you can make those sacrifices, dig yourself out. It really does change your whole perspective on your life and what's possible. You know, you said your husband was there to help you. Would you say one thing that helps a person get out of debt and maybe change their behavior is having somebody else help you be accountable? I think so. It absolutely helps to have someone to be accountable with you when you're trying to get out of debt. And maybe that's just a friend who sort of knows your goals, is on your side. They're not going to promote you to to overspend or sort of tempt you to do things that maybe you can't afford or not in your budget. Maybe it is a partner or a spouse that really you just you become a team. You decide, hey, as a couple, we're going to tackle this together um, so I do think for me, that was key because he kind of had a, a different perspective on it that I didn't have, obviously. Um, and so that was something that was really motivating. What were some other things that you did to get out of debt that made it possible for you? Yeah, I think um, really working a little bit more, starting to earn more income, 
was a key for me. I, you know, I'm never one that is going to budget my way out of a situation. For me, it's always about trying to earn more. I think that is the long-term key to success. And that's really what, you know, eventually helped me live the lifestyle that I wanted to live. Um, You can only save so much, right? But your earning potential, how much you can earn is truly unlimited. So that's really what we focused on. How can we earn more? What can we do not only maybe in our jobs, but also um, I've always been super entrepreneurial and working um, inside businesses, building those on the side was something that I was really committed to. So working a lot of hours, working a lot of nights and weekends, but it pays off. You know, I think a lot of people recently are experiencing credit card debt because they were having those same emotions and feelings you had coming from parents and a lifestyle where you were could afford these really nice things. And now you couldn't afford them, but you're like, I still want them. And you start purchasing and buying them. That same thing is happening now with inflation, where we want to live the same way we did, say, pre-pandemic. But right now, we can't afford those things like we used to be able to afford them because of the prices have gone up and many of us can't get more money at the job we're currently at. So to hear you say, hey, go out and get another job. Try to find that side hustle. Those things can help you do it. Don't feel stuck. Don't believe you can't get out because you can. I mean, look at you. You believed in yourself. You have a podcast. You have a book. You you have tons of things. It's just numerous things because you believed in yourself and you believed you can get out of it. I, I think that's a huge a huge thing to say. And then to say that you were in debt and not be afraid of that and say, yes, I had a credit card problem. I I love that, Laura. I really do love that. And also, I know that you're really good at giving people tips or habits that have a huge, massive impact for them when it comes to their money. And I would love for you to share some of those habits or tricks that you know of that really aren't that hard, but can help you out a lot. Yeah, it's true. Sometimes the small tips, what I call the micro money habits can truly be the most powerful. And on the Money Girl podcast, that's really what I try to do is give people actionable tips to walk away from the show, something they can do today. What is one, just one small thing? Um, And so a few that I would recommend, one is listening to audio. Like, you know, you and I are into audio, obviously. We love podcasting. And so that's a great free way to learn. It's a great way to get motivated Listening to Jamie's show is is a fantastic way to just kind of kickstart your your attitude about money and and learn. Um, so I'd say keep listening to audio, even if it's just fifteen minutes a day. That's going to motivate you. It's going to give you a little bit of knowledge and inspiration. So, or if it's an audiobook, or even if it's reading, whatever it is, a micro amount. If it's ten minutes, even. Um, just work that into your daily routine. And I promise you, you will come away um, a little bit inspired from that time. And you'll probably pick up some tips that you can actually put into practice as well. I also say going to bed 30 minutes earlier, while it might not seem like a financial tip, I really believe health and wealth are truly linked. And so if you can get a little bit better quality sleep, you find that the next day, You're more focused, probably better at your job, maybe a little bit more energized to start that side hustle or just get energized to do whatever you need to do. So getting a little bit more sleep is something that's going to make you healthier 
And that in turn is going to change perhaps your mindset about money and your ability to achieve. So that's another micro habit that you might not think of has anything to do with your wallet, but it truly can improve your your financial success. And then one more I'll I'll mention um, is buying quality instead of quantity. I think a lot of us are just very used to buying cheap stuff because we think it's, you know, it's on sale or it's something that doesn't cost very much. So I'm going to pick up that extra pair of shoes or that top or or whatever it is. But I find that if I invest in things and I and I buy quality, I tend to value them more. They tend to last longer. The lifetime value of that item goes up. So that's something that I've really tried to change in my life is to think about buying less, but what I do buy, make sure that it's truly going to last me. And if it costs a little bit more, maybe I have to think about it. Maybe I need to sit on it for 24, 48 hours before I pull the trigger and buy that item. I've really thought it through. I've made sure that I can't afford it and that it's it's something that is a, you know, a true need. Um, and, and that that kind of shift in your mindset for purchasing, I think can go a long way toward maybe clearing clutter in your life and making sure that you're thinking more clearly about not just money, but every decision that you make in life. I love all those tips, Laura. What about going to bed? You said 30 minutes early. What time do you go to bed? I'm just curious. I'm embarrassed to tell you, Jamie, that I am often <laughs> I'm often in bed before nine o'clock. I'm often reading, you know, maybe for an hour before bed. But I mean, it's not unheard of for me to quietly get in bed at, at 8.30. Now, granted, I don't have kids at home. I don't have, you know, uh, anything keeping me up. So I've got that flexibility to be able to do that. Um, but I'm I'm very much an early to bed, early to rise kind of person. And the morning, that that quiet time in the morning, I really value that. It's um, a, a time that... I can truly think about goals, can think about what do I want to achieve today. And so if I get to bed a little bit earlier, that means I have a little bit more time in the morning to myself. And that's just such a valuable time. I just never want to sacrifice it. Would you say that you set your intentions for the day every day I do. during that time? I do. Yeah, I do. And it's probably, it, it is very much a habit that I've gotten into that I look at, okay, what's going on today? What do, you know, what do what do I have to do? Then maybe what do I want to do? And trying to work in everything that I, you know, I'm going to do exercise, work, cooking some healthy meals, really making sure that I'm using that time. And then when it's five o'clock, I pretty much just shut down and it's like, okay, I'm going to totally take my mind off of work. I'm really not going to look at my phone. In a lot of cases, I'll turn it on airplane mode and really won't even look at it. Um, in the evening. So that time for me is away from work. When I'm working, I try to be super focused. And when I'm not working, I want to be super focused on not work. And so that means spending time with my husband, doing things like reading, playing, you know, doing doing things that really energize me. Other than making more money, going back to the debt thing, what do you think shifted? in you that caused you to completely change and be more careful when it came to your spending? Did you have a goal that you wanted to do? I mean, what what caused it? I did not like the feeling of being in debt. It it made me uncomfortable. Um, And for whatever reason, that 
was just a burden. It was a weight that I wanted lifted. I wanted to have the feeling that if something happened and if I had an emergency, you know, I had room on the credit card to to make that payment if needed. I didn't want to feel like the credit card was maxed out to the point that I had no flexibility. And I ultimately realized that that's what the emergency fund is for. And so I shifted from using the credit card for for everything, including emergencies, to realizing that the credit card's got to be paid off every month. And then I'm going to have a separate emergency fund that it's going to be my my cushion, my my reserve for maybe whatever, a vacation, but also for those emergencies. And, and I do now keep that emergency money separate from everything else. Um, but it took a while to really hone in on that. So I think it was a feeling of, I want this weight lifted and I want to I want to feel like I've got control over my finances. My finances don't have control over me. What made you start the podcast and be an expert going around telling people how to manage their money? Here you were in debt, you get out of debt. How did that happen? Yeah, so it was many years later that I went back to school, got my MBA. This was in my early 30s. And while I was there in at graduate school, I met a lot of super successful people. They had multiple graduate degrees. They were C-level, you know, executives in, in companies. They were all very smart, but many of them, most of them were struggling with money. They were, they were in debt. I had long gotten past that and had become somewhat of an expert because I was reading every finance book I could get my hands on, listening to money podcasts, really just absorbing every bit of, of you know, financial information I could. And so when I went back to school, I Took a, took a look and said, hey, these are very, very smart people, but they are struggling with their personal finances. We had one class in our MBA program on personal finance, one class out of the whole program. And I think I was the only person in the whole class that actually enjoyed it. I was just, you know, was really having fun with it. And other people were just dreading it because they didn't want to think about all the things that they were not doing, you know, not having insurance, not being, you know, being in debt, doing all these bad things, not uh, saving for retirement, not having the emergency fund. By that point, I was pretty well ahead of the curve. I had been in business for myself for, for many years and had done quite well. And I felt like a lot of people were truly struggling with their finances. And so that was a light bulb moment for me where I said, you know, I want to help people, not necessarily corporations. I want to help people with finances. So that was a turning point for me when I realized that I don't know how I'm going to do it or what form it will take, but I want to help make these complex financial issues much more simple. So when I graduated, I started blogging. That blog eventually turned into a podcast with the Quick and Dirty Tips Podcast Network. That was 16 years ago, and I've been podcasting weekly ever since then. So it has really launched uh, a whole career for me in terms of writing, working as a spokesperson, uh, being a consumer advocate, doing a lot of different things. And it did all start with the podcast back in 2007, 2008. Do you have a story or anything you could share where maybe your advice helped someone and you were able to be like a money champion for someone? Do you have anything like that? I 
I'm very fortunate to get emails every day from people who say, I listened to the podcast and I finally opened that Roth IRA, or I finally decided to start building an emergency fund, or I finally took the leap and started a side hustle. I mean, I have thousands of stories like that, Jamie, and it is so gratifying to know that you've played a little role in someone's motivation to kind of move the ball forward in their financial life. So that's really what kept me going in the early days back in 2007, 2008. There weren't any financial podcasts out there. I think there was me. I can think of like a couple other ones that were sort of early on. But what kept me going was the feedback, the the emails that I would get from listeners who would say, wow, you know, I'm learning something and ask a question and and then be able to to answer that question on the show um, and then get the feedback from them. Thank you, you know, for answering the question. It was just really gratifying. And it that, you know, that podcast was just a labor of love for many, many years. Um, And fortunately, it's kind of been a bigger part of my career than I ever could have imagined. I'm guessing that when you started and hardly anyone was doing podcasts, you never imagined it would become so huge. I know I wouldn't have. So, you know, back in the day, no one knew podcasts were going to blow up the way they have. And you to have such an impact is amazing. And I'm sure it's very gratifying for you. When it comes to tips, I know you mentioned a couple. Yeah. I'd love to hear what you think out of all the tips and you've given millions of tips. What do you think is the number one tip when it comes to giving money tips? I think the number one tip that I can give is to automate your goals. And we hear this over and over, automation, automation, but it really does work. And that is why 401ks, um, any type of workplace plan where those deductions are coming out of your paycheck, those plans are so powerful because you don't have a choice. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to give a little bit here or a little bit there. When you enroll in those plans, they are automatically deducting the money from your paycheck, right? Yeah. That is so powerful. And so it's happening in the background without you having to think about it. It's happening without you having or even being tempted to say, "Mm, no, this month I'm not going to make that contribution because I want to do something else. It's going to happen. That deduction is happening. That investment is happening. So if we can translate that into other areas of our finances, it can be just as powerful. So maybe it is moving money from savings over to a check or rather checking over to a savings for your emergency fund, having your employer automatically deduct money into your savings. Maybe they split your paycheck into some into checking, some into savings. That automation is just so, so powerful. And as a self-employed person, I've done the same thing. I've said, okay, I'm going to take money from checking and automatically have it uh, contributed into my SEP IRA. Um, So you can do that whether you're an employee or you work for yourself. So automation, and it is a little scary to set it up sometimes because you think, oh my gosh, you know, what if, what if I can't do it? What if I can't afford it? But you'll believe me, you'll find a way to, to make it happen when you set it up. I would also say another really key tip I have is to set a waiting period before spending. So this is, I mentioned this earlier, this is something I always do before making a big purchase, something, maybe it's over $50 or $100, you can set that amount. You say, I am gonna wait, I'm gonna make myself wait a minimum of 24 hours. And the longer the better, if you can go 48 hours, even better. That waiting period 
is is a time to reflect. And if you're somebody who tends to be impulsive, which I used to be very impulsive with with spending, that gives you time to kind of settle down. It's like, okay, that impulse just sort of deflates when you give it a little bit of time and you realize, you know what? I wanted this thing yesterday, but today I realized I already have five of the same things or I, I don't need, you know, I don't need this thing or gosh, let me wait until the holidays to, you know, ask my husband to buy this for me. So if you give yourself time, it really can help you curb those impulses. And another thing, if you think about those impulses or any any expense for that matter, in terms of your hourly wage. So let's say, you know, you're earning $100,000 a year. That's about 50 bucks an hour. You're thinking about buying, uh, a, a, you know, whatever it is, a pair of shoes that are $200. You can think, hmm, that's about four hours of my time. Actually, it's more than that because we're talking about an after-tax purchase, right? So, you know, we're talking about four plus, maybe four and a half hours of work. Is it worth it? Would I willingly work four and a half hours for this thing that I want to buy? And in a lot of cases, the answer is no. It's very, it becomes very clear in your mind. You go, no, I would not work five hours for this thing. And so it puts it in perspective. So that's something that also helps me that I know a lot of people have found helpful as well. That last one is a really good one. I'm going to steal it. I am going to steal it and I'm going to use it because I might not be going to that restaurant to eat if I really thought about how much it would cost. Yeah, I know it's crazy. I mean, you go out to eat, to eat now, it's like $100. So I mean, I'm serious for like a family of three or four, you're going to be over 100 bucks at a nice restaurant. I mean, you really think about that. Is it worth it? Do I want to work? How many hours do I have to work to pay for that? That's a huge thing. And maybe so the, maybe the answer is yes. And, and if the answer is yes, go for it. But I think the point is really think it through first yeah. and, and value your time. Yeah, value your time. What do they always say? Time is money. <laughs> value your time. Those are great tips. And Laura, one thing I always ask all my guests is, what does living richer mean to you? And I would love to hear what living richer means to you. It really means flexibility. Living richer means having the ability to work if you want or not. So this is something that a lot of people think of in terms of retirement. Um, but for me, I have tried to build my life and my career around that flexibility. So that's what rich is to me personally. It simply means if I get up one day and I want and I live on the beach and I look out and the water's gorgeous and the water is sparkling and I want to get out there, I'm going to go do that. I'm not going to say I can't do something because um, you know, I have some obligation hanging over me. So I've built my life around that lifestyle flexibility. That's what rich is for me. And for you, it may be something completely different and that's okay. It's That's what really life is. It's our job to figure out what it means to live a rich life and do your best to make it happen. Thank you so much, Laura, for coming on and sharing a path to financial freedom. And I want all of you to make sure that you go and check out Lara's podcast, Money Girl. And like I always say, go out there and live richer. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Before you go, we'd love for you to subscribe to our show to catch all of our updates. Also, we want to hear from you. 
What are your burning questions about money and how to live your best life? Reach us at livericherpod at gobankingrates.com.